Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, an amazing show coming up. Stephanie, welcome. Hey, hon. We're going to cover some ground. And as always, before we get started, just really quick, we're launching our YouTube channel, the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Join us over there if you want to see us on at least video format, but most importantly, comment, build this community, like, subscribe. And if you don't do YouTube, that's perfectly okay. Remember to share, let people know about the podcast. We're trying to grow this community as always. So we got some ground to cover today, Stephanie. Yeah, we really do. And it's just so nice to be back at home. I got to tell you, even though we're not in the same building and we're not together, it's just so, so good to be home. Yeah, well, it's good to have you home. We missed you immensely. So what is the show about? You know, we've got some things that, you know, we often talk about. We do this show literally every week and we're kind of reflecting on our own week, what we went through and things that show up for us. And then we bring it to the podcast and say, what is there for listeners? What can we share in terms of our experience and what we've learned? And listen, we've got life going on and life happens. And so I want to open the show and we've got some real variation of topics, if you will. Uh, let's, let's open with an easy one. And that is how to ask your boss for a raise. What's your thought? Okay, where'd that come from? I thought we were talking about letting go. I We were going to talk about letting go, and we're going to talk about letting go, and we're going to talk about a few things, but I want to start with ask your boss for a raise because it. it shows up. Now, we've been in business 40 years. I've been in business 40 years. I'm, uh, of course, the aged one of this couple. But anyways, the point is we've been in business a long time, and often we've uh, you know, had staff sit down and go, I need a raise. And it's always very interesting. You know, we are to our team mostly just what we are, which is we're always looking at improving, helping people improve and coaching and all the rest that we do. And we can't help it. It's just kind of what drives us. And so when somebody sits in front of us and says, I need a raise, you know, my first question is, well, tell me more about that. And they go, well, you know something, my rent's gone up and I just bought a car and, you know, food is crazy and whatever. They've got this whole story about their new dilemma of, you know, they've taken on more debt. They want to buy a house. They want to buy a new car. Whatever the story is, they need more money. So they come to me and they say, I need to raise. That makes sense. That's pretty common. I think you've had that yeah, I sc- have. scenario many times. So here's always my pushback with my team. And I'm not kidding. I don't care if you're a part-timer, if you've been with me for six months or six years, it doesn't matter. If somebody was to come and ask me for a raise, first off, as a kind of my own philosophy is I don't want staff coming to me asking for a raise. If the company is doing well, if the business is doing well and the team is working and rocking it out 
and somebody is really doing a great job and delivering, I want to give them a raise before they ask for a raise. That's kind of my own fundamental philosophy. I don't know that I'm 100% good with that, but at the end of the day, I really have that kind of thought process. But when somebody sits down with me and says, I need a raise, I always listen to what they need a raise for, and generally it's because they've increased their cost of living. They've made decisions, and they want to improve. Got it, but that's not what I want to hear. I always like to get into those conversations with, okay, well, let me under, let me help you understand where I'm coming from. We have a business and the business needs to be profitable, needs to manage cash flow. We need to look at return on investment. So if you sit down with me and say, okay, I've been here six years or I've been here six months and this is now what I bring. I'm trained better. I'm more efficient. I'm great at sales. You know, just me alone, I sold X amount or I'm seeing where I'm making a huge difference to the business. So talk to me in terms of what are you bringing a value to the business that gives me a return on investment that will then justify and qualify or I guess quantify why you deserve more money. That's a conversation I'm interested in having. So one of the things I like to do with the team, especially you know, with some established staff where they have real control over what they do on a day-to-day basis, is I love to bonus people or pay commissions on improved performance. So in other words, here's the deal. Here's your base salary. Let's set some numbers. I do what we call MTOs, which is minimums, target, and outrageous. So I collectively sit with the general manager and we say, okay, if we were the minimum to hit these numbers, this is the value to that. If we hit a target or an outrageous number, these would be the bonuses that are paid out. Now that structure works really well because the team is then motivated to understand that this is about driving revenue, maintaining profitability, and out of that, they benefit. What doesn't work is you're negotiating from a place of what I need is a wrong approach or not a great approach because, quite frankly, I can't be responsible for your cost of living or you increasing your cost of living because of you you wanting to buy a new car or a nicer car or a better phone plan, whatever that might be. You, You get my drift? I have to look at it from a business perspective and share with me your value and the ROI on what you bring to the table. And I'm all up for a race. Now, that was a little bit long-winded. What do you want to add to that? Well, for me, I think that that's a really good point is that when you are an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, and then you have a team around you and staff that need to make a living, we, and we want to make sure that everyone that works with us and around us makes a great living and that they don't ever have to struggle. They don't ever have to feel like they're being underpaid, et cetera. But what you're saying, what really resonates with me is that if they need more money, it's not my fault if you've increased your cost of living. And I think probably over the years, what we've learned is because we live severely under our means. It may look like we don't, but we really do. I mean, we have like our most recent vehicle is a 2017 something. So we don't live to the max of our salaries. And I think that's what is really interesting from a business owner standpoint is that when we look through the lens of do you live to the maximum of your means or do you live under your means? Like for us as business owners, we want to have everybody win. We want to have everybody make as much money as as they possibly can. And we want to share profit. We want to be able to share in the wins. And I've always done that in my businesses with my partners and former partners is that I want to share the wins. 
But when they increase their cost of living, that's not about us. So there's a fundamental here. So let's just back up because we're into a very inflationary period of time in the world overall. So gas costs more, food costs more. I get that. And listen, you know, we are very sensitive to the fact that the cost of living is rising regardless of how frugal you are. You may, in fact, live below your means, but now you're trying to save and all of a sudden there's things like carbon tax and there is the cost of food and there is the cost of fuel and there's a lot of costs that are escalating, the cost of rent. Uh, Mortgages are more expensive. So I really am sensitive to that and I get that. But also the costs of doing business are more expensive. Now, my job as owner slash CEO is to have longevity of that business, to manage and maintain the viability of that business so everybody has a job. So I'm not insensitive to the realities of what's happening in the world, but I want to collaborate. So it goes back to there are those individuals who will walk in a boss's office and go, give me a raise or I'm going to have to quit. You're putting a gun to your boss's head and, you know, some bosses will just go, okay, see you later. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Now, that's not a great way to negotiate, by the way. Again, my point is that when you sit down and say, okay, here's what I bring to the table. I believe I'm a great return on the investment. Here's where the value is. Here's where I in increase revenue, maybe I maintain revenue, Uh, maybe it's risk mitigation, maybe it's inefficiencies. You have to look at what it is that you bring to the table. Now, as an owner of a business, I need to, again, uh, look at profitability, look at top line, look at bottom line, look at where I can save money. What are you bringing to the table in that regard? Now, in terms of cost of living is going up, the cost of doing business is going up. How do we work together to make sure that your paycheck is in line with staying ahead of a cost of living. Now, we're not a large corporation, we're a small business. So I'm really specifically talking to being small business. I mean, we've got, you know, business-wise, we've probably got 30, 40 employees altogether, but it's pretty small business in the scope of things. You know, so the point is that we collaborate in being sensitive to what the cost of doing business is and what a cost of doing or living our life is. So that's all I'm saying is that when you're sitting down for a raise, that's the point of this whole thing was not to spend all of our time on it, but just to say, when you are looking for a raise, sit down with your employer and blow their mind when you sit down and go, you know something, I'm going to give you a great return on your investment for the extra X amount of dollars that you're going to pay me. And here's where, so that you're looking at it from a business point of view. That's my guidance. That's my view. Take it for what it's worth. That's it on that topic. Anything you want to finish up with? No, I think that's good. Okay, I know it was a little bit random, but anyways, that's just what popped into my mind, showed up this week, so as these things do. Okay, let's talk about letting go. Now, you're just back from Edmonton, and this is an interesting, I think, conversation for probably some people, and some have had this experience, but ultimately what we look at is that your mother passed away was it three years ago now two years September 2020 2020 yeah so three years ago coming up and you're in Edmonton to see your dad who's now 95 or will be 95 in August he'll be 94 in like a week okay so he's a year younger than your mom okay got it one year younger so a little bit okay so cool anyways he's been on this planet a long time And he's dealing with just getting old. And part of his journey of getting old, although physically he's very 
quite robust, although he's getting weaker in this age point. Uh, he's dealing with and what you as a family are dealing with or we as a family are dealing with is dementia. And so this week was kind of a bit of a, I don't know what you'd call it, a little bit of chaos because he had to go into the hospital. You flew into Edmonton to support your brother, who is really the primary caregiver at this point. But it was really tough. And then you actually had to have this conversation with your dad, who's got dementia, who has dementia, has kind of those moments of clarity. <laughs> so anyways, this is your story. I just wanted to kind of preface the conversation. So when you think about letting go, what does that mean for you? Well, in this regard, in this particular scenario is that, okay, are you okay if there's tears in this <laughs> podcast? Because, you know... You haven't started yet. Don't start I crying know, right? yet. Okay, go. <laughs> I guess part of letting go is being okay and be willing to go through the conversations and, and have the scenarios and the situations where it's uncomfortable and it's not okay. And then for me to go to Edmonton where I, we, I, we don't live there anymore. We, we live there half the time and generally it's not in the winter, but my brother's there full time. And thank God, because after my mom died, if my bro brother had not moved in, I don't know what we would have done because my dad is so physically strong. He golfed his entire life. Honestly, up until he was 88 years old, he was golfing his age. You know, every time he got a year older, you know, he'd get another hole in one or something. The guy was amazing and he's still, still so strong. But what's happening is as life changes and things are going downhill in terms of his health, he ended up in the hospital last week. So I get home from Montreal, Toronto. I get on a plane, go to Edmonton. And he's in the hospital. And I start to go through the process of what would it be like without my dad? And what is my brother and I, what are my brother and I going to do without my dad? And I start in my meditation, start going through what it's going to be like. And it triggered sort of a letting go conversation with myself. Is that what do I need to say? What do I need to do? How do I need to be? in the presence of my dad and my brother, knowing that our life is going to change. I love my brother. This man, honestly, in the last, I mean, I've always loved him, but in the last few years, he has stepped up in a way that I've never seen a human being step up to take care of my dad. He got him out of the hospital. My dad is not going to go back to the hospital. He chooses, he wants to die at home, which means we are getting him supported with home care, et cetera. And for me, as I step back, come home, hang with the dogs, you know, start harvesting the garden, doing the things that we have to do to take care of our life, is that I have to create a bit of a disconnect and deal with the guilt of not being there. And I think part of letting go is being okay with feeling guilty and feeling that sadness and knowing that there's going to be a life change for me, for my brother, for us as a family, for Aaron and the kids and the grandkids. And, you know, grandpapa, great grandpa is, he is our patriarch, you know, and, and when he goes, we have to also deal with what that's going to look like. And I think a part of letting go and why maybe as a society or as people, we don't enter the feelings of let it go, letting go is because it's so painful. And what that could look like past the passing of my dad and what our family's going to look like past the passing 
of my dad is going to be different and being willing to enter that. And I don't know if that's a conversation that's normal. I don't know if many families actually get to that. And I think that over the last couple of months, my brother and I, for sure, you and I, for sure, have been in a situation where every time in an Emmet- I'm in Edmonton with my dad, I want to say what I need to say. I want to do what I need to do. I want to be kind. I want to be a-, a soft spot. I want to be able to hug him and snuggle in and just give him everything. Because when it's time for him to go, I want it to be peaceful and graceful. And for him to feel like it's okay. Yeah. Well, you're, it's an interesting scenario, right? Of letting go because in the case of your dad, he's been physically healthy. He never really had any health issues per se. And, you know, at this point in his life, he's actually going to make a decision to say it's time to move on. I think there's probably a permission point of it uh, that he has to give, like, you know, are the kids going to be okay? They're going to be okay. I'm, I'm letting go. You know, he's already stated out loud that I want to be with your mom. Now, this particular conversation, however, is more about letting go in terms of, you know, there's an interesting backstory. I think, you know, just it's, I think lots of families have gone through this. The thing is, is that, you know, many families don't have the opportunity to let go. So if you think about sudden death scenarios, it's like, ah, what's left unsaid? You know, and I know that we went through this with your mom and, you know, as you were going through the emotionality of it and dealing with what you had to deal with, with your mom being in hospital, I said to you at the time, I said, you just make sure that you are complete and that you've said everything that you need to say. Make sure that you have the conversation that matters for your mom. And I would really in the, in the context of letting go, I think it's really important. You know, it's the old story of life is short when, you know, who do you need to let them know that you love them? Who do you need to let know that they made a difference in your life? What have you been procrastinating on in a conversation that would be meaningful to somebody else? Because maybe you're uncomfortable with it. The point is, is that, you know, as you're dad has gone through what he's going through. My mom's 95. She's still sharp as a tack. But, you know, something when I talk to my mom, what I've really become present to is making sure that I have really open conversations with my mom. And, you know, they're fantastic. I mean, we really, uh, she's so amazing anyways, but we have really meaningful conversations. Uh, we, I never get off the phone without telling her how much I love her and appreciate her. And I'm so glad she's my mom. And I tell her that, you know, I can hardly wait till she's 105. And she goes, Oh my gosh, I'm not living to 105, you know, all those kind of fun things. But the point is, is that letting go, and this is aging parents, but I think letting go of any relationship and is being really conscious of consciously letting go. So in other words, don't leave incompletions, don't leave things unsaid, get clear to the degree that you can get clear so that you can really let go. And that's mentally and emotionally uh, letting go. So, you know, a little bit of kind of hopefully real life wisdom, guidance, a reminder. I think these are things that most people probably are aware of, but we would encourage you that being in it like we are right now is to not put it off, to actually have those conversations. Like I say, 
What have you left unsaid? Where has somebody made a difference in your life and you haven't told them or you haven't uh, reminded them, whatever that might be? Uh, where are you incomplete in a conversation with somebody that you care about? And that's in that regard. So that's kind of, I think, in my context of letting go, what do you want to add? Well, you know, it, it leaves me pause and I wonder if what I'm going through now with my dad and my brother isn't more of a lesson about what we do throughout our lives. I look at the stages of my life and how many people I've had to let go of, how many scenarios, how many stories I've let, you know, expectations I've had to let go of. And I'm wondering if now, as I'm going through this with my dad, is like in a sense, if I could have learned this first, you know, because when I think about relationships or I think about stages of my life where I was in high school and then in university and then the skating world and then the sports world and then as I go through transitions, I really feel like I've let down people. I've let people down that when I've been growing or the flow has gone in a different direction, I've had to say goodbye and I maybe haven't done the, the best job. Mm, that's a good point. So you moved on because that was the scenario, whatever happened, you moved on. But that's more about letting go. I think that's more about incompletion. But if you don't feel complete, then you didn't let go in a kind of a thoughtful way, a mindful way. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I guess. But in some ways, I look at my life and the way that I set goals and set intentions. Is that my life, the trajectory that my life goes on is that there are people that I have to let go of and I, I, I want to bring them with me. Like I want to, you know, make sure that everybody comes and I want to put them all in my backpack and take them to the next stage. And sometimes I just can't whether it's they don't want me to be that successful or they don't want me to be going where they can't go. And I have to be peaceful with being able to let go. And I have to be peaceful with being, a, I mean, I look at, oh my gosh, like all the stages of my life, of my friendships and the people that I was in their bridal party and I was at their birthday and planning their things and going forward. And I have no remorse. I have no animosity to any of those stages, all I have is love. But I've had people come back to me over the last few years and say, you know, you left me or you did this or you did that or why did you do that? Or you're this person and you're, you left, you were aggressive. And I'm like, you know what? That is never my intention. When I think of letting go with love and with grace, and when I see people going to their next level or to whatever's next in their life, I want to do that with grace and I want to do that with respect and with love. And I'm hoping that happens with me, but I'm finding that it isn't always that way. So that's because I think as we get older, these things, you know, we got all these years of history. So the point, I guess, that I would want to make in this particular case is just to be conscious of letting go. And if you're moving on, great. You know, that's what happens in life. You know, friends are not all friends are long. Lots of friends are long-term, but friends come, friends go, as we've learned. You know, they help us through different phases of our life, and we're part of theirs, they're part of ours, and then, yeah, things change, and it just well, we fade away. It's funny, you know, one of the things that my mom taught me when it comes to relationship, and this has gave me a ton of comfort, is that everybody in our life comes to us for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Mm. And, you know, for you, you're my lifetime. You're stuck with me. But ultimately, is that there was a reason 
that many people came into my life and then I came into their life. There was a reason, a learning, uh, a lesson, something that was happening, and then they naturally had to go. And then there was a season. You know, I look at my former business partner, there was a massive season that we were blessed to have in business together. But it was a season and I had to be able to let it go when it naturally came to an ending and not hang on to it, not make it more difficult, not make it mean something more, not make her wrong or me wrong, just let it go. And then there's some people that come into our lives for a lifetime. So it's a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I love it. That's cool. Okay, we're moving on. Okay. Now, this is a bit of a segue into something that came up for us. And then we're historically known, I, well, we've been told that we're known for our generosity. We're very generous. Now, that's only to say that part of our purpose is supporting others. And we've shared that many, many times. But there comes a time where, you know, over the years, we've learned certain lessons that our generosity is not necessarily serving somebody else. Or us. But it's, and it's not serving us. So this is what showed up. And it was a, you know, this was kind of cool. So, you know, the first time you create something or give something to somebody for free, you know, and maybe a gift, right? So you give it to them for free. And there is a lot of appreciation. You know, that's really what it is. Now, the philosophy, and I, I tend to agree with this philosophy, by the way, as we work through it, is the next thing that you, next time you go to give them a gift, there's anticipation. Yeah, there's excitement. So think about it. Generosity, excitement. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that maybe with grandkids, right? You know, you give them a gift right? the first time they get the gift from you know, your their you know, grandma and grandpa, it's like it's really, really anticipation. It turns into anticipation from appreciation. So, you know, first time it's appreciation, then it's anticipation. The third time it becomes a bit of an expectation. Yes. And the thing about that is that if you're not giving it the right context, which is what happens, is the fourth time it becomes entitlement. Oh. And we've seen this start to happen. We've had these experiences in our life. And the fifth time, it becomes dependency. And that happens because it all gets normalized. Yeah, good point. Right? Dependency, what I call dependency through normalization. And then when you stop giving, guess what happens? Anger. Well, anger and resentment. Oh, because you've set up that normalization. Set up the expectation. Yes, you've set up the dependency. Aside from expectation, it's now turned into dependency. They're counting on it, whatever it right. is. And so it's something to be aware of. And we've got caught a couple of times. And when this showed up, it was in a feed somewhere that came up and went, yeah, no, this is true. We've actually had this happen. So it's... Well, let's start again. So think about giving. When you give something for free... It's appreciation. Get it for free. Full on, no expectation. We have a very fundamental philosophy on that. It's not rocket science. And that is, is that giving and receiving is the same thing. So the first time is appreciation. The next time is anticipation. Anticipation. Right? Third time can turn into an expectation. The fourth time is you're creating entitlement. The fifth time you're creating dependency through the normalization of it. 
The problem is, is the sixth point that we add is that when you don't give, when you show up and you don't have that gift in hand, it turns into resentment, resentment. a little bit of anger. And that's because it's become about dependency. Wow. Counting on it. So a little bit of wisdom there, something to okay, think so about. Funny story. Just a quick um, real life analogy. So our grandkids, for example, my dad and brother, like we're all about silver and gold and contribution and toonies and loonies. So when, when the kids were little, we used to give them coins. Like we don't buy presents, for example. We don't like buy toys. We give them coins or toonies or loonies. So every time we would see them, we would give them or at Christmas in their stocking, we would give them toonies or maybe a, a little silver coin or something. So one thing leads to another, they continue to come over. And every time my dad or my brother or us will always give the kids some coins. It's really fun. Then the third time it started to become an expectation. And you know what Erin did? Our daughter, she's so smart. When the kids said, grandpapa or papa, which is you, where's my money? Do you have money? She said, sweetheart, don't ask. She broke the cycle. Mm -hmm. It was so smart because what was happening was she's she understood or somehow intuitively knew that that cycle was going to end up with expectation, and then if it didn't happen, it would end up in resentment. Yeah, and and it's kids, so, right? So and they're kids; they don't have that. But if we do that with adults, for example, and we're over generous and we continue to give and overgive, which is I'm guilty of, is that it turns into one, you know. Without totally. breaking the pattern. 100%, 100%. Yeah. So you got we, we have to own it. We have to own our own generosity and know that that's what can happen. Okay, final topic. Because this is kind of, like you say, this is how the week unfolded. We did. Now, we shared that we were in Toronto and uh, one of the coaching programs we do is Entrepreneurial Think Tank. And, you know, it's just a small group of people that got together and they were so coachable. They... We're very open. We had some amazing conversations. I think, well, not I think, you know, we they shared just how much value they got out of that session. It was an all-day session the evening before and the all-day. And what I got to with all of that is I kind of made notes about why would you need a coach? Like, or why do you think that you, you know, where are you in your life? Now, here's the fundamental is that you need some support and the need to change has to get to you're very frustrated with where you are right now and you can't take it anymore. You know, in the brief conversation we had, I think you said when the pain of being where you are is greater, greater than the pain of how of you see go. the change, you will, in fact, make that change. So that's the first thing, right, is you have to be so frustrated or so in discomfort and just go, I can't take it anymore. I need to move on. I need help. I need support. Secondly, is you need to be brave enough to take it on. Because with change, you have to be brave enough to face one of the key things that people have to face is the fear of judgment by friends, by family, by peers, whatever that is. You know, when you start to change, when you start to show up differently, there's that fear of judgment and you have to really be brave enough to number one, be prepared to face that 
and to admit that you are where you're at and that you need or want more, but you're going to do more in order to have more. So you have to be able to and be brave enough to demand more of yourself. That would be the second point. Third point is you have to be disciplined to do the work. You have to be prepared to work and to make the change because none of it's easy. You got to break patterns. You got to be a really conscious of how you're thinking and how we get caught in those thought processes that we have. And we keep going back to what's comfortable, even though we know it's not serving us, we're familiar with it. So in other words, you have to be disciplined enough to get uncomfortable and to do the work to go to the next level. So those are kind of my three fundamental lessons about change, about why you might need some form of mentorship or coaching to get outside of yourself. So anything you want to add to that? You're hilarious. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it is that you run into the big wall of Stephanie, you know, that's what I tell my clients is that they keep telling me their story over and over and over again. And I just let them tell it. And then they run into the big wall of Stephanie. And you know what, until you want to change, like we've been through that ourselves, hon, is that until we want to change and change our thoughts, which is the hardest thing. And like, I, I'm a huge fan of Joe Dispenza. And if, if anybody wants to listen and, and, and really kind of go into some of the ways of changing your thoughts, there is a way to do that. And in sh it's funny, in our shift program, we, we actually literally shift mm -hmm. our clients' thinking. Because we've had to shift our thinking. By design. By design. By design. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Intentional. Right? Yeah. It's intentional. And and it's not easy. And I think about all the things that we've done and, and the growth that we've had over the years. And which circles us back to the beginning of this podcast is that, you know, change and letting go is all part of it. And when we get to this point. Do you have the skill set to let go in order to shift into the change that you need to do to create a new open future, a new opportunity, something that's fresh, something that does is not attached to the past? Because that's the thing, right? Is our our memories are designed for self-preservation. So our, our memories and our commitment is generally about the past. And what I love about our conversations is about are we willing and are we willing to take people on a journey of honoring the past and then taking that leap or taking that this doesn't even have to be a big leap it taking a step into not knowing into the unknown and going okay i'm ready to let go of what was so painful to being in a space of what's less painful but more fulfilling and more nurturing and maybe even more productive <laughs> hopefully more productive that's always what it's about isn't it and for those of you uh, who are interested in looking at some of our coaching programs, you can go to ishiftthinking.ca, ishiftthinking.ca. You can look at some of the programs that we're launching in that regard, Entrepreneurial Think Tank and Business Shift, a couple of different programs that we're doing. And I am putting together a men's program for men only. What? Yes, we think really? different. We think different. And I've had a couple. Yeah, you do. Uh, I've had a couple people, a couple of men I'm reach so out to me. Yeah. It's a broke time, dude. Yeah, I know. The sacred masculine needs to be honored right now, especially right now. 
So those are a couple of places that you can get a hold of us. And always CEO at raincanada.com, CEO at reincanada.com. Reach out to us. I think we covered a lot of ground today. I think there's at we least did. we had like four topics. Four topics and in there. What's really cool, hun, is that shift happens. Shift happens. Stephanie, thanks as always. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.